A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tools Tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. This episode is called Guy Edwards Lives. Coming up this week, our USA GP race review will be at some time. It's either going to be late Sunday or Monday night. I'm not sure yet. Forgive us. We might have to delay until Monday night. And then stay tuned after tonight's regular program for part two of how me and Chris got on during our visit to GTS RS with Alex Brundle. Tonight, though, I'm joined by Paddock Master of Ceremonies, Joe. Let's get ready to rumble! Sayward. How's it going, Joe? I can do without the getting ready to rumble thing. Yep. Anyway, I'm fine. Yep. Good. Well, well you're going to have to put up with it, presumably. Austin's going to do no, its full... No, 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 no. They're changing the intros. <gasps> what? I love that. That was the best bit of last season. Well, they're changing it. Why? Why? Did they decide that, what, is it bad feedback? I have no idea. I guess it must be something to do with feedback, but I understand it's going to be a bit different this year. What, they're going to go full, like, British and just... Uh... Just solid. No, no, I don't, I don't don't think it worked awfully well last year. But we'll see. I don't know exactly what's going on. I was told that it's something to do with drivers peeing or something. They couldn't do the full intro they wanted to do, so they've been cancelled. Because uh, drivers need to pee before races, so they go rushing off and they can't do all that sort of um, it's rumbling thing, you know. Can't fight biology. You can. Just tell them to do it five minutes earlier. But apparently they're, they're, they're darling prima donnas. And I, I understand the Bolshoi Ballet has the same problem. You know, they just got to dance off to the toilets each, each, before it all starts, you know. Well, they're going to spend two hours driving really fast racing cars. I'm going to allow it. Well, they've got to get their tights in a twist, haven't they? So there you go. But people can also go and see you when they're allowed to get up and go to the toilet anytime they want live an audience with Joe Saywood in Austin. Actually, loads of people have got in touch asking if you are putting it on, and indeed you are. I am, Friday. Friday in the evening. Sign up right now. I can't remember how you do it, but it can't be that hard to look it up. It's called uh, Flat Out Publishing. But where is it? Is it in the track, or is it in a bar nearby? No, no, it's in downtown Austin. It's at a restaurant. Uh, It's been on the blog. The audience will take place on Friday at Pennon's Tex-Mex restaurant, 802 Red River Road. But don't turn up without a ticket. You need to buy them online beforehand. You must order ahead. And in order to do that, I'll give you the address. It's flatoutpublishing.com, austin-audience.html. And if you can't find that, what can I say? Uh, but Joe, what is the atmosphere like in general? Because... Is that ceremony that they had, is that representative of how the Americans approach, you know, their Grand Prix atmosphere? It's all crap, really. Um, they were trying to just see, see if it was going to be sort of um, more exciting if you did it in a sort of boxing kind of way. And I think they, they discovered that it doesn't work. So we'll see what happens. I don't know what they're going to do this year, but I don't think it's going to be the same. Um, but, you know, Americans will like Formula One 
if American people are doing well. And that's the problem. Americans are, as we may have noticed with Donald Trump, it's America first. So, um, so if we can get someone who drives around in a car with an American flag on his forehead, it will be very successful. But, you know, Austin's a great, it's a great circuit. It's a great town. And we have Haas. We haven't got any American drivers right now. Um, I hope we'll get some soon. But if we don't, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be good. And that's the truth of it. Formula One is about being globally the best. And if you are a brilliant driver who happens to come from Papua New Guinea, you'll make it. Right now, we have 320 million Americans who haven't quite mastered it. But, you know, it's always a possibility. I'm, I'm looking forward to Nigerians and Chinese. They haven't made it either. There's a lot more of them out there. So, you know, it's really a matter of training. And, you know, you can't take away from the fact that you have to be properly prepared. And that's why Europeans tend to dominate, which why Brazilians have done in the past, blah, 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 all the usual stories one hears. But, you know, Alexander Rossi could, could race Formula One cars if he was given the chance in a decent car. He could do it very well. But he hasn't had the chance. So there you go. It's the way it is. But they do fill up the uh, the Austin Grand Prix circuit, don't they? Or is that just because they invite people like Justin Timberlake and, and such like to play there? Well, it, it, yeah, it works sort of. Um, but I'm I'm not sure that Austin has worked very hard on promoting Formula One. I think they promote the race meeting to make money. To be honest, Taylor Swift, Justin Timberlake and whoever it is this year, is it Bruno Mars this year? If we had him last year, I can't remember. Ah, yeah, that rings a bell. Not, not, not that I ever go to. The thing is, I never go to these concerts, so I don't know who it is, but I think it's Bruno Mars this year. And good for them for doing it. And, and if it works, it works. But I'd like them pr- to promote Formula One in ah. America. And I don't I don't think they do that. I don't, I don't think that Taylor Swift, when she gets on the stage, knows anything other than, gee whiz, what is this Formula One thing? She knows someone's paying her a pile of money to be there, but, you know. Well, we, we, I didn't bump. I didn't bump into her in the paddock, anyway. You Not that I would recognise her if I did bump into her, because I'm an old fart, of course. You know, sort of medium height, medium build, white. He's got a big nose thing, or what? No, I don't know. I, I'll have to. I'll have yeah, to. You Google. see, you can't do it either. I was trying to make ah, out like you, I was younger you, you and cooler have, than you, but it's yeah, it's not you happening. Don't know who Taylor Swift is. All I know is that she dated a Kennedy, and I was around. In Hyannis Port, and she wasn't there. I don't know where she was. I was expecting to bump into her in the shops, as you do. But um, no, I, to be honest, I don't know. I've not seen her on stage, but you know, she seems like she sings a lot. So good for her. She definitely does seem to. Gary Gerhardt in the chat room agrees with you that Alexander Rossi needs to go back to F1, at least for the Americans to get involved. Actually, about 40% of our audience, Joe, is American. So you're talking directly to the people that F1 wants to attract. Yeah, well, I, I does, doesn't surprise me at all. I've been I've been a huge fan of trying to build up F1 in America for years and years and years, and I've completely failed in every respect. I have to say, there are lots of opportunities that have come along, and there are more coming. And and with Liberty Media, it, it's completely logical that they do this. And if people say, "Why is it logical?" the answer is that the America is the world's biggest consumer market. No matter what the Chinese may think, it will take thirty years before they catch up with America in terms of spending. And so right now we need to have American fans who go along and buy a pile of stuff. They go and buy Ferrari T-shirts. God help them. Um, <laughs> and they don't buy enough Lewis Hamilton gear, whatever, you know, but at least they buy stuff and they go along and they watch it. So let's do more of that and and let's try and build it up and let's get an American star. I mean, everybody wants to see one. Well, Lewis Hamilton is sort of the closest thing we've got to an Americanized or even an American file star. And he was on Good Morning America, I think, this morning, trying to sort of big up F1. Boy. Yeah, good boy. He comes from Hartford, yeah, Hartford, Connecticut, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Um, or is there a place called Wellin or wherever he comes from in, in America? I doubt it. <laughs> Stevenage, America. Mm-hmm. I don't think that exists. But um no he's a big he's you know he likes it over there uh, he feels very americanized if you like and let's let you know, the more he can do the better i just wish that everybody else involved in formula one would would think a little bit more broadly most of them are so sort of obsessed with being big in italy or whatever that it doesn't you know to be frank italy doesn't matter sorry ferrari fans but the truth is 
your TV market is, is tiny in comparison to the world. So there's a world out there. Let's get Nigeria. Let's get India. Let's get China. The, these big countries. Indonesia, the fourth biggest country in the world. How many fans are there listening to this from Indonesia? Okay, Steve, video editor, you've got that bit to clip out, yeah? So it's just in case the Ferrari fans don't no. hate us enough. <laughs> no. Okay, good. No, no, but it's, I'm, I'm speaking mere truths. If you look at it in the numbers alone, our major target should be China. Or is it India? I can't remember which one's first. India, I think, maybe ahead of China. It should be India, China. It should be Nigeria. It should be Indonesia. America doesn't even rate. China, sorry, Russia is irrelevant. Britain is irrelevant if you're looking at TV audiences. No, it's true. If you're looking at TV audiences, the fact is we're not looking at just numbers, but these are the uh, are just the big numbers. So let's be realistic about this. If you're going after numbers, we have to go into areas where we're outside the comfort zone. And, you know, Stevenage, there may be lots of people who watch the Grand Prix in Stevenage, but believe me, there's a hell of a lot more in whichever Chinese city you want to name who will be watching it. Please don't test my geography, Joe. Please, no. You know, there, there, are, there are 30 big cities in China that are way beyond anything that we know in the West. So let's get real and play with them. Joe, I'm going to pay you a compliment because you wrote earlier a lovely tribute to F1 driver Guy Edwards. Uh, the, only, the only flaw in that plan being that Guy Edwards is in fine health. Uh, but you certainly weren't alone. He's, he's, he's not in fine health. He's not well. And he hasn't been well for a very long time. But, yes, I got sucked into it because I, was, I actually believed a colleague of mine, which I should never have done, who's been in Formula 1 20 years longer than I have, which makes him 50 years in Formula 1, who sent me a message saying, Guy Edwards is dead. And I checked. I actually went to the, the bother of checking to make sure. I went to the BRDC. You'd think that was a reliable source, wouldn't you? And they had a thing saying Guy Edwards is dead. So I thought, well, okay, that's reasonable. Um, that's generally what I do with any dead driver. I check them out to see if they're, um, uh, you know, to see yeah. if the BRDC says they're still with us. And so I was busy writing an obit. And I filed the obit and 12 seconds later it disappeared because somebody smarter than me um, had been watching the internet and realized that Autosport, who is at the root of all this mess, um, had actually got it all wrong. And so I presumed that everyone else was, was following Autosport and we were just all sort of chasing each other's tails. But it's a very interesting case because people who one considers to be reliable cannot be considered reliable. It's a bit like American politics, to be frank. To be frank. You know, you can't listen, you can't believe a word that's said. Um, you actually have to go and find out more. So I think I've learned something today, which is don't trust anybody which is kind of sad in a way because, you know, one does um, rely on sources a little bit. But also, like, you're seen as a source as well. So it's quite a weight on your shoulders. Obviously, you, as a journalist, you want to report things. And then when your sources kind of misstep and make you misstep as well, it, it, it's, a, it's a semi-serious subject, isn't it? It's not... It's not no, no, it's yeah. absolutely a serious subject because... Um, I mean, usually, if, if somebody who is, you know, if there's a reliable or what you think is a reliable source tells you something and you check it with another what you think is a reliable source and both of them have been conned. Yeah. I mean, that's a seriously worrying thing. So we're talking about a world of fake news. I mean, it doesn't matter in a lot of respects because everything is like that nowadays, but it shouldn't be. And... So in the future, if somebody tells me someone's died, even if even if they're my best friend, I'm going to go and think, well, have yeah. they really? And and you know, in the past, I've always used the same principle, which is somebody usually tells me someone's died, I check. I, I now, know that means that means you have to pick up the phone and ring somebody and say, "Hello, are you dead?" Yeah. And that doesn't really work either, you know. So no. I I mean, there's obviously there's a, an amusing side to making that mistake, but I think I know you well enough to know that you take that seriously. If it makes you feel any better. On BBC local radio a couple of weeks ago, I got completely mixed up between David Essex and David Cassidy. But I kind of said, you know, sadly, David Essex passed away. And 
although everybody has had a wonderful laugh at my expense, and as soon as the F1 live stream came on for Missed Apex, it was any updates on David Essex, how's he doing? Uh, I actually felt really guilty because I'm relatively new to people caring what I do or say. And but you, but you're, you're young enough not to know the difference between David Essex yeah, and some David excuse. Cassidy. Yeah. I'm not sure I would know, to be honest. I mean, David Essex was a pretty boy who was in some film about the circus. And David Cassidy was a bloke who came from America, I think, but I couldn't tell you he was alive or dead. Well, he and, was mine. My... And, and I don't care. <laughs> now, well, David Essex was everybody's mother's sweetheart. He was a pretty boy. <laughs> and if I think hard enough, I can remember the name of the film that he was in, which made him such a sex symbol. But I, I doubt he looks like a sex symbol. I mean, this is, we're talking 50 years ago here. Now, I am assured but... by the many people who texted into the radio show that he is not only alive and well, but is still a sex symbol, Joe. Gorgeous as ever, a lot of the ladies of Cambridgeshire informed me. But let's go uh, on to some two, some two more modern... Well, maybe the ladies are older than they used to be, too. <laughs> some more modern, gorgeous icons, Max Verstappen and Daniel Ricciardo, in their latest <laughs> advert for Red Bull. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Uh, but they did this pr- actually pretty cool Red Bull promo with them driving through America, finishing up in L.A., should we read anything into that? Yeah, they didn't do the whole thing. Well, it's very clear they didn't do the whole thing because it's 3,000 miles and Formula One cars don't drive 3,000 miles at a time. So they went to Continental Divide Speedway and had a re- refueling session there and they did it on the beach in LA. So whoop de doo It's a nice bit of work on behalf of Red Bull Media and they do a great job and terrific, wonderful. But, you know, the day a Formula One car drives across America, I shall be asleep at the finish. Well, well I, I wasn't suggesting they really did it. I think it was, it was more that they ended up in L.A. and everyone's talking about all these separate street circuits that might happen. Were they trying to hint what they might do in the future? I doubt it. They were just trying to attract the audiences on the east and west coast and the lot in the middle who nobody gives a about. Right, looks in oh, dictionary. did I say the wrong thing? I don't know. Again. I'm going to have to look in my dictionary of broadcasting naughty words. But, uh, Daddy, what is t- Okay, right. <laughs> so that's I've said it as the well. Whole, now. Okay, the whole the whole bunch of people between the East Coast and the West Coast, all of whom seem to vote for Donald Trump. Um, oh, have I caused trouble? Never mind. Um, they may not actually watch any media that goes beyond their shorelines. The East and the West Coast probably recognise that Formula One is a form of racing. Everyone else is a hair, thinks it's a hair tonic. Oh, I see. Form, which is what, probably, what, probably what Donald uses to get that lovely sweep. I don't know. He uses Formula One. I'm going to look right, at, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look right into the camera now and say, I have no strong opinions on American politics one way or the other. Let's talk about I do. Red Bull I have Bull very Honda. strong opinions on American politics because they're messing up the world, but enough of that. Ooh, yes, please, Joe. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> Red Bull because we are on Red Bull. They're not messing up the world apart from in a digestive sense. Well, let's talk about Red Bull Honda's chances for next year then because, you know, Cyril... <laughs> Dunk. Oh, Sorry. Oh, oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, Cyril, old Cyril buddy from uh, Renault reckons... Well, he was complaining basically about the amount of money that people have to spend to be competitive. And he reckons that Honda have caught up with them. But, I mean, if Honda are a force next year, then Red Bull are going to be a force next year. And I think everyone's genuinely excited stroke curious. I think that's fair enough. I think that Red, uh, the Honda have had enough years to screw up that it's time they got it right. They spent a lot of money. Uh, I think that Renault have had a lot of years to screw it up and they haven't spent enough money. So they're in the same situation. So I think we'll see next year... Um, the same kind of situation, really, with Mercedes, Ferrari, when they're not falling over their own shoelaces. Um, probably second with Red Bull third, mainly because of the chassis is very good. Um, Renault are not able to, apparently not able to improve the engine. It's, mainly, it's something to do with being able to hire people to go and work in France. That's one of the problems. Um, no, it's true. I mean, really? I live in France. I love France. But you try and convince engine designers to go live in france is another story uh i'm i remember alan prost on the official formula one podcast boo was talking about how really he needed his team to be based in the uk and i guess a lot of teams face that that conundrum as well sorry sorry which team would that be alan prost owns a team i don't know about uh well he did in the before time he called it prost oh prost a million years ago yeah 
Um, oh, yeah, sorry, well, in the long, long ago. I beg your pardon. Well, that is a quite a long time ago, like it's like 20 years ago. Um, and if he'd been really smart, he wouldn't have set up a team in France because it was obvious at that point that's not what you do. So if you want to be a French team, you, you're based in England, which is what Renault have done, to be fair. But they, their engine organization is based in France. So they're kind of stuck there. They can't they can't move all these Gaulois smoking, garlic eating chaps over to Brackley because it doesn't work. There's a lot of knowledge in France. There's a lot of um, expertise, um, but not enough, clearly, because they're being beaten. So you know you need to you need to find a way. And, and Ferrari found a way by just being Ferrari and offering pasta a lot. Um, and you know people will go to Ferrari. But Toyota tried it in Cologne, and let's face it, he wants to go to Cologne. We've got a couple of chat room comments here, Joe. And if you want to join this live chat room, go to YouTube and search Missed Apex Podcast. Subscribe, click the little bell. You'll get a notification every time we go live, generally on Sunday nights. Simons Every Day says, why won't Renault invest properly? And Human Shield 777, it's quite a dark name, that, says, with Cyril making noises about costs already, is it too early to read into Renault thinking twice about their F1 project? Uh, the second point, I don't think that I don't think that's really relevant. I think Cyril needs to look after his own job, so he's saying that. But I think they're committed to ten years in Formula One. Although Cyril, to be fair, has said to me that you know the first boss of a Formula One team never makes it. Um, it's always the bloke who comes second. So I think he's sort of looking over his shoulder. But he's a smart enough guy to understand that. But you know, the fact is that. Viry Chatillon may not be the most glamorous place in the world and getting English and or any other nationality to go work there is not easy. So I'm actually speaking as a French resident, Viry Chatillon's not so bad. I mean, you know, if you've been to um, uh, some of the places in England, Northampton, it's hard. It's hardly glamorous, is it? I'm just I'm losing track of all the places that you've slated tonight, Joe Stevenage, Northampton, no, I China. Any, I, haven't, I haven't slated Middle America. What I'm, what I'm saying is that okay, the biggest problem probably we're going to very Chatillon is that people don't speak French, but I speak French, so it's all right, and I don't feel the same way. But if you are an international person and you have to choose between very Chatillon and Northampton, and you speak both languages. I find it hard to know the difference, to be honest. I mean, to, to be fair, Viry Chatillon is closer to Paris than Northampton is closer to London or anywhere glamorous, really. Um, so I don't know. I think it's, I mean, let's face it, you go to Maranello because it's Ferrari and it's supposedly yeah. sexy. And if you wear, if you wear prancing horse underwear, apparently all the girls jump on you. I don't know how it works. But um, whatever it is, they're willing to go there. Interesting but question from sorry. Interesting no, no, question it, from the chat again. Do Renault work with other builders like Cosworth or Ilmore? And if not, why not? Well, because they're French. Why ah. would they work with Cosworth or Ilmore, who are not in Formula One? And to be quite honest, because they're not in Formula One, have sort of ceased to be on the same level as everybody else. All right. So um, just going back to to Red Bull Honda, then. Um, obviously, you've got your fingers in every pie, Joe. Every single pie. Are they feeling positive? <laughs> Are they feeling positive about their their decision? And um, and 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 like, what's happened to to Aston Martin and and all those things? Because everyone was talking about this Red Bull nah, engine project. It's all gone. So that's all gone. It's it's too much money. The new regulations that were proposed were far too expensive. When everyone priced it out, they all went meh. Oh. And and stopped their programs, including Porsche, including Aston Martin, including McLaren. Everyone just went. It's half a billion. We can't afford that. So. Um, there is now no reason to have a new engine formula. And as there's no reason to have an engine formula, it's completely insane to have one. So, because otherwise all you're doing is making everybody who's involved pay more money. And it also means that everyone will, uh, the richest ones will get ahead. So in other words, we'll just perpetuate Mercedes winning. So the best thing to do is to freeze the regulations as they are. And everyone will close up. And if they close up, then there's more chance of somebody coming in because, one, it costs less than it would have done otherwise, and secondly, the the, the technology is out there and people will uh, be able to hire people who know the answers. Now, Honda hasn't done that because they're Honda, and that's bonkers. <laughs> um, but 
you can go out there and if you have enough money, you throw it at the top man and two years later he's working for you. Unless there's someone you know, who likes living in Northampton. Which are, there, there are some people who like living in Northampton. Well, surely Lawrence Stroll must like living in Northampton then because he's bought up Force India. And, and speaking of teams that are not short of a bob or two, surely Force India now is rolling so, in money. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Lawrence Stroll lives in Geneva or Lausanne or somewhere in Switzerland. Are you telling me he's not relocating to Northampton? No. What? Oddly, en- oddly enough, <laughs> oddly enough, he's not moving into... Um, well, he might be. Who knows? He might buy a house somewhere near Silverstone. There's lots of nice houses there, but somehow I don't think that's going to happen because you have to pay tax if you do that. Um, and so, no, it, it's just you know the way of the world, really. Um, but in motor racing terms, if there is a cluster, you must go to the cluster. You don't try and create a cluster of your own. It's ridiculous. If you want to, if you want to make marmalade, you go to Dundee. Don't ask me why, but you do. You, you don't go to Merthyr Tidville. And what that, that's what it boils down to. So you look at the you look at the methods that are employed and the people you can get, and you go where the expertise is. Now in France, there is expertise in engines around Paris. There's expertise in engines around Maranello, and there's expertise around Northampton. Now. Is Northampton a good choice compared to Maranello or Paris? Who knows? But lots of people who come from England don't want to go to them foreign parts where they don't eat dosh with marmite on, you know. A, so A big hello to all our Northampton residents. Thanks for thanks for tuning in for your third insult of the show. Um, no, it's not. A, that's not an insult at all. I'm just saying this is human nature. If you go to France where they think marmite is some kind of poison and you've grown up eating marmite, it is. We see. We see. You're I'm, pulling a face. Yeah, because marmite's but, you know, disgusting and horrible. And anyone who well, likes in it, in that case, you should be French because they don't like it either. Right. But the, the fact is that people who do like marmite you know, or whatever, the fact is it's foreign. It's nasty. It's 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 all these things you're not used to. And and English people, I you may not have noticed what's going on in the world, but English people like living on their island all by themselves. And and that is Formula One is largely based in England, but there's a certain element of Brexitisis, Brexitisis, whatever the word is anyway. Okay, Joe, I'm just going to fade you down there while I look into the camera once more and say, I have no strong opinion on Brexit one way or the other. No, but, but it, it doesn't really matter whether they're Brexiting or not. The fact is that Formula One is based in Britain. Now, is that going to change? Probably not, because all the expertise and the talent is in Britain. And those who want to make it go to Britain and have to put up with Marmite and baked beans. But, you know, a lot of them have got more advanced taste than that. Maybe, dare I say such a thing? <laughs> you know, they eat magret de canard avec un peu de ciel, de ça. And they, they don't drink beer, they drink wine, you know, and all these sort of things that are silly things, but they that's what quality of life is all about. They know what a sep is as opposed to a mushroom, you know. What's up with you t- tonight, Joe? This is classic Saywood. This is what you get on the live events. This is the Joe you get on the live events. I love it. Uh, why don't you tell me, though? Tell me, what is the master plan at Force India? I, okay, where, he, where he's going to live aside... Is he actually going to grasp Force India and push them forward? It's a team that's promised so much for years. It's built up a lot of goodwill. Is he going to just do it? Just make it a top five? No, the the fundamental uh, premise of Force India is to find his son a drive. No, no. Obviously, after that, he wants to make it good because his son's driving for them. Okay? So he's going to pour money in and make it as good as he can. But... Winning in Formula One is not something even billionaires can afford to do. So the best he can hope for is fourth. And what he hopes for is that his son will do well enough to be picked up by one of the three big teams, which I can let you know in advance is probably not going to happen. It's not. No, I wouldn't have thought so. (laughs) Judging by what I've seen thus far, I can't imagine that Lance Stroll is one of the six fastest drivers in Formula One. Yeah, I I tend to sadly agree with you. So you think that that is a dead end project? What happens when La- when Lance gives up on his F one dream? Is that the end of Lawrence Stroll's investment as well? Who knows? 
who knows? I don't really understand. I've never understood the whole process. I mean, good for him for supporting his son and all the rest of it, but I just don't really get the, the whole concept of where it's going. It's a good investment, if you like, but... You know, if you're going to invest, invest in in places that doesn't involve your son necessarily, because it just makes it makes the whole thing, um, it, it personalises. It, it, look at look at Latifi, Mister Latifi, who's a very rich man, has invested in McLaren, not to get his son in there because he thinks it's a good investment. It needs a lot of work. McLaren is a bit of a mess at the moment, but he's probably right, and his son will make it or not make it on his own merits, and. You know, that's. I think if you're going to help your son along, it, it's a bad idea at this level because everybody's going to be looking at you under the microscope and saying, he hasn't done it, he has done it, whatever. No, we don't even know if Lance really wants it, you know. Esteban says he does, but then again, Esteban is looking for a drive for next yeah. year, so he's going to be nice to everybody. So we'll see. We're going to come back to Joe Sayward after this word from our sponsors. Have sponsors. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Joe. Aside from the negativity of pay drivers, we hear a lot about that. And also, in recent seasons, in recent decades, in fact, we've kind of felt like there was a lot of the old guard occupying F1 seats for ages. It, feel, it feels like we've waited forever for this glut of new F1 talent. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, with Charles Leclerc leading it into the top six, we've suddenly got all these new drivers flooding into Formula One. And, of course, the latest of which is the... The the one hand on the F2 title, uh, championship leader George Russell, to Williams, as you predicted quite some time ago. What can I say? Um, yeah, there are still, there's, I, I wouldn't say they're dead wood. They've been around for a long time. They're still, they're still capable of doing good things. But, you know, when you get into your late 30s, you have other pri- priorities in life. And so the Alonso's and the Raikkonen's of this world, Raikkonen's still going to be there, which is, kind of depriving a youngster of another drive, to be honest. Uh, Alonso is going to go. and But after that, you're, you're getting into Lewis territory as being the most senior driver. Yeah. Um, and I think I think he is the third most senior driver these days. Um, but Formula One is all about wacky young guys. And then the, the problem is that, I mean, it's not a problem, it's a good thing in many respects, but in the old days, there was a turnover of drivers because they died. And yeah. that's, a ter- that's a terrible thing to say, but that's a reality. Nowadays, they have careers lasting 15 years, and that's not good for the sport in some respects because you get the same old faces over and over again. You get the Rubens Barrichellos and, and you know, this kind of guys who have just go on forever. Um, now, they think they're good enough, and actually they kind of prove it from time to time that they are good enough. But sometimes it's good to have new blood. 
you know, I don't know how you fix it in the modern age. Maybe you have a 10 year limit from the day you come in to the day you're allowed to go out, you know, maybe, um, sorry, the day you're allowed to go out. That's not the right expression, <laughs> but basically, no, well, you could have a 10 year limit. That might be one way of doing it. Why not? Because 10 years, if you haven't made it in 10 years, you're never going to make it, are you? So, um, and if you have made it, if you've won one championship, fair enough, you know, fluked it or whatever. But um, there, there is a there is a fundamental problem which is called survival <laughs> <laughs> um, that Formula One never had before, and we've now got that problem. And I think that we have to, you know, do top level boxers last for fifteen years? I don't know. I never watched boxing to be honest, but um, it's not my kind of thing. Uh, watching people beat each other's brains out is not my idea of fun. But um, do their careers last 15 years? Do top athletes last 15 years? The answer is no, they don't. In Formula One drivers, they can, but maybe they shouldn't be allowed to. Uh, is, wouldn't it, is there any room for, and I'm not suggesting this is a serious suggestion, but because in other sports, there's lower tiers. If you had a second grid of Formula One, people would kind of bounce between those levels as they did well and fight for relegation and promotion. But it's almost become, it's almost like a, uh, a drama series where they pick their superstars and keep them for this period of time because they know they're marketable and they're kind of characters in the series, almost like they're scared to refresh it. Yeah, but are they characters? I mean, is Sebastian Vettel a character? To be honest, Sebastian Vettel has deliberately gone about not not making himself a character. He is he's very much wallpaper in <laughs> Formula One. No, he is. He's wallpaper. Um, <clears throat> he's a very good driver. But he is, in terms of, what do we know about Sebastian Vettel? He lives in Switzerland, has a wife and some children. We're not quite sure how many at any given time because he doesn't want anyone to know. Uh, sorry, that's part of the job. You're supposed to have the kids there in victory lane. Go watch NASCAR, you know. Um, everyone, you know, when it, when a guy wins NASCAR, the kids are there, the wife's there, they're all sort of bobbling about and having a jolly time. And, yeah. and you know, that's that's actually what it's about. It's about show business. It's all very well protecting yourself because that's your private life. But... Hell, 10 years is enough for that. So not a fan of Felipe Massa, really, but the, the stuff with his, his little kid coming in and him showing himself as a family man and a racer were actually quality. I really enjoyed all that. I love Felipe. He's a great guy, but he didn't need to be around for all the years he was around for. <laughs> we have to look at it and we have to be, be, be a little bit brutal about it and just say, well, what's best for the sport? And the answer is, 10 years is good enough. If you're good enough in 10 years, you're going to get into a top team. If you're not good enough, you just troll around in the second teams. And, you know, you, you're good enough to be uh, – I'm going to be mean here now. But, yeah, go on. You know, Nico Hulkenberg, um, who's a great time. guy and a great driver, but he's never, ever broken through into, the, into a, a seat that will win him a world championship. Mm-hmm. Um, is he going to now? Let's have a look Ro- at the chat room. Dub Royal, more teams – more seats. That's what they want, and I agree with that. Yeah, but more teams doesn't work because more teams doesn't mean competitive teams. More teams mean a bunch of trolls at the back. Fair enough. Uh, EMH2212. Sebastian Vettel is less wallpaper and more a series of broken bottles sitting on the mantelpiece next to the prized family photo of Hamilton. Ooh, very harsh. And uh, European, the new generation of drivers. No, fair, fair enough. That's an absolutely fair comment because Vettel has been shown up by Lewis in the last couple of years. He'd just been rooted, if you like. Uh, he was good in his era. He won his four championships, Red Bull, not under any great pressure. But now he's under pressure, he's falling apart. So, you know, great, terrific, time to go. Uh, and Dan L says, I'm a Vettel fan. I support him being 100% private. And European says the new generation of drivers will do that very well. Just wait a couple of years. I think he's talking about the personality and pre-show we were talking with the chat room about one of these guys had had done an i race like an online sim race with lando norris and he is really forthcoming with all that social media and interaction he's always streaming some selfie video of himself answering questions he's fantastic for that yeah he is and and that's another generation what the world has changed you know spassy vettel as far as I know, doesn't even have a uh, uh, any kind of social media worth talking about. So, hello, where are we in the real world? <laughs> I mean, you know, Lewis is, is social media up. It's what the sport needs. And we have to look at what the sport needs as much as as what, you know, who is best. Vettel is not best. You know, he can't win in a Ferrari. 
and he's had the best car this year. To be to be quite honest, he's had the best car for half the year, and he's blown it. Now, I'm not saying that's necessarily all his fault. What I'm saying is that if there is some kind of artificial boundary to how long you can be, it's not a boundary. If you arrive in Formula One at 28 years old, you can stay till you're 38. But if you arrive at 17, you've got to get the hell out at 27. I, I don't think that's a bad idea. I think that a 10-year period in which you can be, and, you know, when all else fails, you can go off and play in sports cars a la, a la Alonso. Wait a minute, Joe. You're, you're not suggesting, are you, like a Logan's Run-style carousel for drivers? Once they've been in Formula One for 10 years, we have to whip them up into the carousel and sack them? Yeah, I am. Oh. Well, because in the, in the old days, they would have died after 10 years in Formula One. So uh, we've got to find a way of keeping the sport alive as opposed to having what effectively amounts to very talented dead wood. Um, we have to find a way, because the world is changing, we have to find a way to, to keep everyone amused. You know, you, you, okay, Coronation Street has the same characters 25 years later, one or two of them, you know, but soap operas need new characters all the time. And and if you can't make it in ten years, you're never going to make it. Okay, if you're if you're maybe there should be an allowance for beating Michael Schumacher's record. How's the chat room doing? Has it gone mad? Uh, well, let's put it um, this way: I am now texting a uh, friend of the show, Peter Wright, Digital Law UK, because he's he's he basically acts as the show's lawyer. Uh, there, there might be some ageism suits coming your way, Joe. No, uh, I don't believe you- that at all. I think it's. What ageism or deadism? I mean, you know, what's the difference? The fact is that in the old days, there was a natural mechanism that kept Formula One drivers young. There is no reason why you cannot have a limit. And also, they used used to start later as well, didn't they? Yes, they did used to start later. And, And, you know, one has to think about these things because you have to compete. As a sport, you have to compete. So I'm not saying this is necessarily the right answer, but it should be a discussion that should be going on. I like it. I like the discussion point of it. It's a good, what do you call it? It's a good thought exercise, isn't it? So, uh, can, can well, I'm is- sure you couldn't get it through with all the lawyers and the, and the people in the fluorescent vests these days. You know, little old ladies should be allowed to raise in Formula One, um, according to the politically correct among us. But the fact is that we have to also make it a sport that is some, oh, little old lady would probably do, you know, do, do a lot of good for the sport, but I don't see any of them being fast enough, to be honest. Chat room. You're hilarious, but naughty. Stop it. Uh, how good can Esteban Ocon really be if Mercedes have gone ahead? And I'm making a big assumption there. If Mercedes have gone ahead and pushed for George Russell to take the Williams seat. Have I got any of that wrong? Yeah. The, the George Russell getting the Williams seat is not about him being pushed ahead of Esteban Ocon. It's about him being in the right place at the right time. Williams is the right place for George. It's not the right place for Esteban, but Esteban has no other choices. So if they can get him in at Williams, they will because there's no choice. If they can't get him in at Williams, they'll put him as a test driver, reserve driver, whatever you want to call it, and they'll put him into the main team next year. Um, But Esteban shouldn't have to be at Williams, but that's the way things have turned out. Now, the guy shook hands on a Renault deal, and they sort of forgot about that later. So... We've, we've got more space, though. This is the most exciting transfer season, silly season, we've had for years and years. Now, Joe, you have been... But shouldn't it, shouldn't it be like this every year? Kind, yeah, OK, you're making a really good case, actually. Yeah, you're, you're right, you're making a good pace, case because the excitement of the driver moves has been, has been incredible. And uh, you have been somewhat of an oracle this season. Like we, we give you a lot of stick behind your back. I mean, uh, no, forget that. Disregard that, Joe. Um, but you can't deny this season you've had your finger on the pulse of the driver moves. People called you mad when you said Carlos signs to McLaren. Uh, you know, everyone collectively just went, huh, when you were on Sky Sports. So we're going to pay attention now when you say to me that uh, Albon is lined up for that Toro Rosso seat. Everyone's thinking Dan Tickton, that that was their aim. People are even looking at Formula E drivers, but where me to come back? What makes you think that uh, Ty Britt Alban is coming to Toro Rosso? Because I talk to people in Formula One. And what is your spider sense telling you, your sayward sense? My sayward sense is telling me that Alexander Albon is going to be in the second Toro Rosso. And I believe I've heard, I don't know if it's true, I haven't checked it out, and nowadays you have to check out everything, uh, as we learned today with Guy Edwards. But yep. I'm told today that Ver- Verline has got a deal with Mahindra in Formula E, 
poor soul. Um, and that means he's off that market. Now, in theory, Albon has a deal with Nissan to race in Formula E, but that doesn't preclude you. If a Formula One team comes to you and says, we want you, nobody in, the, in their right mind is going to drive a Nissan Formula E for three years if they can drive a Formula One car. Because there is nothing, there is nothing to be said for driving a Nissan Formula E apart from the money. Formula One is all about performance. Formula E, as I've told you many times, nobody, I'm, I'm going to upset all the green people out there. But Formula E is a bunch of promotion. It is not a reality that will survive for long. And I, Nick, I know Nico Rosberg says they're going to merge, but Nico Rosberg's a shareholder in Formula E, so he would say that, wouldn't he? So, you know, the fact of the matter is that Formula E is a well-promoted bag of wind, which may or may not survive a few years after the manufacturers start pulling out, uh, because they will start pulling out. It's inevitable. Once they all go in, they'll all start pulling out after they think that the diesel crisis is over and they're getting beaten by Porsche or Mercedes, whoever it is that's winning, one of the two will be. Um, and then Formula Formula One will look much more attractive at that point um, because you can't have that many manufacturers in a series that doesn't really make sense. And in the automotive world, Formula E doesn't make sense. Sorry, that, but, you know, Anyone who gets up and says it, we're not allowed to say it, but the carbon footprint of Formula E is no better than any other championship. An electric car is no better than a petrol car. Uh, I'm just going to interrupt Joe there to say, do tune in to E-Radio Show, hosted by Matt Trumpet's E-Radio Show, covering Season 5 of the Formula E season. E-Radio is a missed Apex production. Search E-Radio on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. Joe, you know I'm going to edit out all of you saying bad stuff about Formula E. Formula E is about to be no, and it's no, about will, to be really I will good this go year. On, I will go on saying it because <laughs> it's, it's a fallacy. It is based on false... Uh, foundations. Formula E is not, electric cars are not the future. Hydrogen cars maybe, but electric cars are not the future. And until they find a way of getting around the battery problems, they're not going to be the future. Formula One, the hybrid car, the hybrid engine is still a better choice. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take tomorrow off to answer emails. So <laughs> email me, spannersready at gmail.com. I do love hearing what you have to say. Also, you can comment on the site post at mistapexpodcast.com and we always appreciate you sharing the episodes. I hope you're enjoying this one too. So it's going to be, you reckon, Albon at Toro Rosso uh, yes, alongside, alongside Kvyat as well. And um, the chat room pointing out, it's quite amazing. There's only going to be two teams that retain their lineup between 2018 and 2019. I hadn't even thought of that, but yes, probably the case. Mercedes being one and the other one being a da 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 I can't work it out. Uh, Haas, Haas, I guess. Haas. Oh, thank you. Yes, Haas. Yes, Haas. quite. <laughs> Haas, by the way. Tell me. I'd just, like to, I'd just like to point out that Haas is a remarkable organization because not only is it doing remarkably well for a customer team in Formula One, but he's utterly dominating in NASCAR. Last weekend's Talladega, they ran one, two, three, four for most of the race. And in NASCAR, that is an unheard of thing. So we're talking about a racing organization that is that is doing exceptionally well in two championships at the same time. And that's a pretty rare thing in the modern era, anyway. Good. I've got a couple of other things I want to ask you, and the chat room's just reminded me as well. My my boss who is an F1 fan, he turned around to me and he said that there is going to be a, a race-off again between Sergei Sorokin and Robert Kubica for that other Williams seat. Lots of people are excited. Is that true? Is that true? No. No. Because why would you imply either one of them? Oh, you... Hey, hang on. I've missed a step. What, you don't think either of those guys are up for it? Oh, I think that they're both potentially going to end up there that doesn't mean they're the best person for the job the best person for the job is Esteban Ocon there's no question about it but it's about money now Williams don't necessarily want to have Sirotkin for two reasons one is because he hasn't done anything spectacular this year and two is because he's backed by people who are on lists of sanctioned companies 
The other one is Robert Kubica, who, if he'd been good enough to do the job, would have been hired by Renault 18 months ago. He wasn't good enough. They they let him go nicely. They didn't they didn't say nasty things about him. They just said, off you go. We don't want you. And he ended up at Williams as a reserve driver. If he was good enough, then he'd be in the drive now. Yeah. But he's not. And, and the fact is, as much as I thought Robert was a genius driver when he was young, Robert crashed a car, smashed himself up, hurt himself, did himself irreparable harm. Now, if it's reparable, I take it back. But if it was reparable, he'd be in a car now. I Call me soft. You can't, you can't argue it. <laughs> I know. I agree with you. Call, call it soft. It's a Cinderella story. It's wonderful. It, it's fairy tales. It's bloody blah. But the fact is that Formula One is not a world of fairy tales. It's a, it's a bunch of hard <laughs> making decisions. And the hard <laughs> are saying Robert Kubitz is not good enough. May I ask, may I ask, with your revelation that you strongly believe that Albon is taking that second Toro Rosso seat, what happened to, to Dan Tictum? Has he been completely gazumped? He doesn't have a super license. And he, and he, but they were appealing end, it, weren't they? End of story. He does uh-huh. not have a super license. He didn't beat Mick Schumacher. And obviously, nobody rates Mick Schumacher highly enough to give him a Formula 1 drive straight away. Or maybe they rate him, but they need, think he needs more time. And even if Dan Tictum had won the championship, he needs more time because he's he's shown a number of sort of very strange um, habits in his career to date, which need to be ironed out if he's going to make it in Formula One. You don't go overtaking people behind the safety car and cr- 10 cars, then crash into somebody because you're pissed off with them. Sorry, if you're annoyed at them, <sighs> you don't do you don't do that. And, and, you know, this is not the, the behavior of a, of a stable Formula One driver. So Tictum, at best, if he's going to make it at all, needs a couple of years to calm down and stop being a, um, a hot head. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, but I think that's the same with Mick Schumacher. You know, he, he, he suddenly worked out how to do it halfway through the season, won a whole bunch of races. But that doesn't mean he's ready to leap two stories up from Formula Three into Formula One. Uh, and take on the big guys. And, you know, maybe there's lots of... I mean, Formula One, to be honest, would be delighted to have a Schumacher on board because it's good promotional value. Yes. But he's only good promotional value if he wins. Uh, Mirror, 303IFY, uh, says, Joe hasn't insulted the Dutch yet, and he feels left out. I'll do out. it. I'll do it. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's good. I wanted to spend uh, all night editing. It's great. No, no, I, <laughs> this I, has I, been amazing. I, 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 lo- I love the Dutch. They're great. They're a great lot. Um, they're a little bit, you know, they, they have very set views like me. But actually having set views is, is actually right sometimes because I think I've done something here. Hang on. Does that work? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on again. Don't touch buttons, Joe. Well, it's just there. You know, what can I do? Um, no, they, they there's nothing wrong with having strong opinions if they are founded on on sensible logic. And this is, you know, nowadays we all have to, as I said before, wear fluorescent jackets and have no opinion at all. And I'm not interested in that. We haven't even talked about the W series. I'd like to talk about oh, that. Joe, yeah. re- oh, hang on a minute. Uh, well, uh, there's there's some kind of fuzz and interference. Oh, no, you missed the apex. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to play that in advance. Christopher Fonseca is giving me an award for achievements in editing, which presumably the people listening on the podcast uh, will will be hearing and, and will wonder what all the fuss was about. I will say, don't rely on me posting or Joe posting the, the links to the episodes. Go to your podcatcher, iTunes, or on Android, try Pocketcast or Dogcatcher, and actually subscribe. Make sure it gets delivered to you, and then you're supporting us over the winter months when you can't be bothered to listen to all our quizzes and stuff as well. All right then, Joe. Deep breath, everybody. Here we go. Joe, Joe, Joe Sayward. What do you think about the the obviously well-intentioned W Series? Well, it's been done before. It was done in the 1920s, and it didn't work then. So why it's going to work now is beyond my comprehension. But if they want to spend their money trying to promote races, um, that's up to them. My view is that lady racers who are good enough will promote themselves and get to the top of the tree. The argument with W Series is that they will help lady racers to get to a level which they can do that. But to be quite honest, I don't really understand the logic in that. 
because all they'll do is they'll uh, they'll race against each other and the level will be lower than racing against the men. So when they come out of the W series, which is in effect Formula 3 anyway, uh, they won't be well prepared to take on the Formula 3 drivers they could have been racing otherwise. So, yeah, good for them for trying. Um, and I can see why people have jumped on the bandwagon. Uh, it's a very nice sort of bandwagon to be jumping on. But I don't see it being a long-term championship, to be honest. Um uh, you know, you can wish it to be. I want there to be more Formula uh, One racing drivers who are women. Yep. But the fact is that, that to be in Formula One, you've got to be good enough. You've got to be well prepared. Uh, you've got to have all these things. And, you know, I've seen girls who are good enough and well prepared who didn't make it. Um, and I don't I don't think this is going to add to that. So it, it's it's up to them. It's their money. I have an opinion jolly good i think it will have commercial value if done correctly and you have to imagine the people putting money into it also think that i doubt whether this is a purely uh, what do you call it a philanthropic endeavor somebody has seen some value in this surely so does everybody in the world watch british formula 3 no but on telly no. Is it, th- is it that exciting? No. I get, yes, I get where you're driving at, but I think the angle, if marketed correctly, in, this, in this, uh, this day and age, in this current environment, has some marketability. And I'm, they might be wrong, but obviously somebody has seen some potential in it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. And they have only committed to six, six races in the first to season. Be, to, to be quite honest, it's private equity money, and this is a long shot. And if it works, they might make a pile of money. The chances are it won't work. But these kind of guys, three, five, ten million is nothing. Peanuts. I don't really see how it can work because it just doesn't. It has no more interest than, than British F3. I, apart, from, yep. apart from the fact they're all girls. Of course, I respect your opinion. I disagree. I think it has some value because there's there's more there's more willingness than ever to get more women into the position that people feel they already should be and are being un are not unjustly but, but are being unnaturally held back from i don't disagree with that but the point is that they have an advantage women have an advantage already if they're good enough in that they can raise money that good men cannot raise now the fact is because women haven't raised money doesn't necessarily mean it's because they're women it means they're not good enough and you know one has to balance the two. I know you're not allowed to say that, but the fact is that when women say it's very hard for us to raise money, I go to myself, well, why? Because you are you have a lot of things in your favour, and therefore the one factor that you cannot uh, guarantee is the fact that you're going to you're going to achieve things that men can't. And if you can't beat the men, the the the, the reason to invest in you is not there. So, you know, good for them for trying if that's what they think is going to work. But I just think it, it, it's a sort of kind of segregation that I don't think is going to work. But I'm, that's just my opinion. And, you you're, and you're entitled to it, Joe. And you always give it generously. And we do really appreciate it. You are, of course, at Joe Sayward on Twitter. You're, you're more of a Twitter man. You don't really do the Facebooks and the Instagram. You're not there taking photos of your food and such like. Well, if I could do Instagram, I would. But unfortunately, I've lost the password. All right. And I, and I can't get it back because I've forgotten the uh, recovery email. So... Basically, Instagram is a completely rubbish organization that you can't do anything about. If you, if you get into a mess, you, there's no one to talk to. There's no one you can ring up because you ring up and they go, oh, my God, it's like totally impossible. Uh, that's a machine saying that. Yes, so, that's our American friends insulted uh, with, with yet another no, fantastic no, I'm not insult. I'm not insulting American friends. I'm insulting fools at Instagram who don't have a helpline. Anyway, whatever. What, whatever. I want that, that's good. Those are good books. I yeah, I'm holding them. up. Really I'm holding good. up books um, that I definitely wasn't using to uh, to prop up my speakers earlier. But these are fascinating facts in two volumes. Highly recommended. Spanners sp- uh, stamp of recommendation. If that counts for anything. And Christmas all... is coming. It, so yes. if you are, do you know what? You are. These are perfect stocking fillers uh, for, for for F1 fans. So it's F1 fascinating facts. All little bite size, uh, chapter size facts on Formula One. 
down and they can be purchased on Joe's website and also flatoutpublishing.com. Have I I got that right? Mm -hmm. There we go. Not too bad, that. And make sure you join Joe in Austin if you're going to be there for the US Grand Prix. Joe, thank you very, very much for your time. Uh, Guys who are listening, we will catch up with you for our USA GP race review. Until then, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Missed Apex with Joe and Spanners. Thanks for tuning in to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. This was Mr. Apex Podcast, hosted by me, Spanners Ready. Follow me at Spanners Ready on Twitter, or just search Spanners Ready anywhere on the internet. What you're going to hear now is a recording from the middle part of our race experience at GTS RS Simulation, who were kind enough to look after us. Uh, Alex Brundle took me and Chris Stevens down there uh, to do a bit of sim racing. Listen in and enjoy. Here we are at GTS RS Racing Simulation. Last week we were talking to Alex Bundle. He's here coaching us. Hello, Alex. Hello, guys. How are you? You you set out your expectations of what we might be like as as idiot drivers and one of us without even a driving license. We've had a go in the simulator. First of all, Chris, that was the most incredible simulator experience I've ever had. I spent the first three laps just going... Oh my god, this is incredible! Why would you ever do anything else? Exactly, and me- all the meanwhile, Alex is trying to give you instructions on how to go quicker, and you can't stop thinking about how awesome this sim is. All right, Alex. Obviously, you've had a look at us, and um, I was being far too overconfident beforehand, and assuming Chris would be an idiot. It's not really worked out like that. Well, I thought you were both good, to be honest. It was, it was, uh, yeah. My my uh, my expectations were 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 blown away, frankly, by your by your, oh, by your competence. You. The basic basic lines are all good, and loads of the pitfalls that normal people have, where who've driven cars on the road, maybe even fast cars on the road, who then jump in a sim or on a track, were not there. So Go on, then give me an example of some of those pitfalls. So both of you were braking hard enough, because obviously most people in their daily driving yeah. have servo-assisted brakes and nothing else. Which one of you that said the brakes are like hitting a brick? Yes, yeah, it's a like rock pushing or... against the wall. It's a lot harder. Was... Even with, with ABS on, you have to yeah. hit the pedal even harder, because obviously you can't lock. So it's just a case of maxing out braking force um, all the way into the slow corners. So uh, first impressions of me in the car? Okay, so Spanners, you are a little bit too active on the steering wheel. I think you were just really, 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 really excited. I was so excited. <laughs> and and so some of the initial applications of steering were aggressive. And then, of course, there'd be the slide and then the overcorrection and the slide. And you were sort of having a bit of a waltz. Having so a bit I'm of a dance turning in too aggressively? A little bit too aggressively. It's the biggest difference, I would say, between you and Chris, is that Chris has that sort of like a, a little bit of a a kinder turn-in in the initial application. So just remember, it's not a go-kart. We are looking here at a, a, so, a racing So you car. need to take a little bit of time to let the weight of the thing, because you're also not in a Formula 1 car. So you've got to manage the weight of the chassis as it rolls. Um, that was your main pitfall, especially in places where... You know, you have direction change, so you have to the, have the weight to roll one way, then mm-hmm. the other way, then the other way, and that was catching you out big time with the rear. How yep. about how about the actual braking distance? Because it's incredibly hard to judge where you're supposed to brake, and we're just taking a good stand at it. Generally, too early, too late. Um, no, you're both in pretty much the right place in most of the big stops. Um, the and getting when you do have ABS, you know, being hard and late on the brakes is not too difficult. The real technical stuff comes when you're breaking sort of down into Brooklyn and you're having to brake and turn. And again, that that smoothness on the steering wheel does help brake later and also turn in because you get less aggro from from the rear of the car. Okay, so it's a strong start from Chris. What's his best attribute? Because we give we actually give Chris quite a lot of abuse on this show. Uh, what's Chris doing? No, come on. You can't like a like a very small toad. But look at how my technique in a car has proved in a in a proper racing car at the moment i'm three seconds behind so i have absolutely no answer but where is he strong line and choice of turning point is very strong and then obviously you've got from there onwards the throttle application happens by itself the place where chris can improve i would say is attacking in with that now you were although you were a little bit aggressive on the entry speed as in getting off the brake sometimes i think you can break a little bit later I tell you what, um, with the immersion in there and the fact you feel like you're in a real cockpit, 
I got freaked out when the owner opened the door when we were finished because I was, why is there a human? So, it is so immersive. I mean, obviously to us it's immersive, but how does it feel to you as somebody who goes round in sports cars? Well, absolutely. That's why you know pro race car drivers come and uh, come and train here. It's because it's uh, you know it's an immersive experience and it, it feels real. You get that pressure of feeling like you're in a race car moving. And like you say, when somebody does open the door, it's like. Well, wait, hold on a minute. This isn't right. Where are the, <laughs> running, where are the crowds? Running refuel. <laughs> you thought that broke your immersion. You stood basically on the front left corner of the car to film some stuff. Yeah, well, now you've broken the fourth wall. Look, if you want to see some more footage, you can, of course, go to gtsrs.co.uk or you can find our coverage of it on our YouTube channel by going to YouTube and searching Missed Apex Podcast. Catch us next week to see if I can claw back this deficit. And if I don't, there might not be a show. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.